okay so today we're, we're talking about how to discover purpose and uh you know yesterday we we talked about a number of things and how a lot of people are living false identities and um you know how satan tries to make sure that all of god's products malfunction by you know employing several different strategies um you know discovery of purpose is very vital because when we when we when we realize what we are called to do or what god put us on the face of the earth for it influences every other decision we make it uh, it influences the decision of friends that we have friends that we keep the places we go to the people we associate with even the people we marry you know uh it's it's dangerous for for a man that does not understand his assignment or a woman that does not understand her assignment to be in a relationship because uh, you know if you don't know where you are going then you don't know who you need to go with if you don't know where you are going you don't need to know what you need to go with so if i say hey come let's uh, let's go somewhere and do something you know if if you don't know where we are going to you won't even know how to pack you won't know what to carry you won't you won't know anything you know it's the same way if uh, if i'm given a task for instance uh, having clarity of what of the nature of work that i am supposed to do will determine who i will choose as a companion you see so um understanding what the assignment is is really going to influence the decision of the companions that we uh you know that we we choose for ourselves and for our journey when people that really do not understand what god has called them to do get married and then maybe midway through the marriage they now find out that you know this is what god has called me to do it can be really daunting it can be challenging uh it, it can be tasking and sometimes we are unfair to the women you know and say you know whatever your husband does support him but you see the truth is people are caught out differently you know somebody that might make a great uh, you know a, a, a wife a good wife to a pastor may not be a good wife to a politician because you see all of these things the the tasks the demands are very different uh or being the wife of, of an actor of an entertainer you see you if, if you are if you are the very jealous kind you cannot successfully be the wife of an actor or of an entertainer because uh, the truth is, as an actor or as an artist, you are going to have to mingle with a lot of the opposite sex. Uh, whether anybody likes it or not, it doesn't even matter if you are doing Christian movies. It doesn't matter the kind of movies you are doing. You are still going to be spending a lot of time with the opposite sex. And so if you are a very possessive kind of woman or a possessive kind of man, you already know that you know you're going to have issues if if somebody is uh, if somebody for instance is called to be in the in the entertainment industry so these things are important knowing where we are going to influences you know our decision on who we go with we are going to be looking into how to discover purpose today so yesterday we ended on the note that do not let any man define you only god can define you and only god should define you because you see god is the manufacturer and he alone knows the configuration of each product that he has uh, 
that he has manufactured. And I also said that, you know, you will only be judged based on the task that you have been given. And I gave the uh, example of if, if you were given a math test and then you, you give a perfect biology answer, even though the answer you gave for the biology test or for the, uh, the, the, the biology answer you gave is correct, you are going to fail that exam because that was not the question that was asked of you. You see, it's like uh, you, you take your car to the mechanic and then the mechanic decides your son's hair is bushy and begins to cut your son's hair. What he's doing is good, but that's not what you came there for. Okay, and uh, you know, except you just want to be really nice. You only owe that mechanic payment for doing a mechanic's job, not for doing a barber's job. You see, a lot of us are busy doing things that God actually did not ask us to do. Let's take a look at Songs of Solomon chapter 1. Uh, no, no, let's start. Uh, let us start on this note. Let's start from Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2. That will be our text for today. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2. Proverbs 25 and verse 2. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out the matter. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing but the honor of kings to search out the matter. So there are things that God deliberately hides so that we can search them out. It's in his glory to hide those things and he wants to give us the honor of searching it out. And this is why, uh, you know, the day you are born, you don't automatically get, get a description of your purpose because God wants us to search it out. He wants to give us that honor as kings search it out okay so in case somebody is asking you know there, there was a time i was talking to a lady and i said you know i see the call of god on your life and and then she was like yeah she's heard a lot of people tell her that and all of that stuff that uh, well she doesn't care and if god wants her to do anything god should come and tell her you know otherwise uh, that if, if god wants her and i looked at her and I, I i thought okay this person is not going to go very far and she was saying it very very rudely and very arrogantly if god if god wants me to do anything for him he should come and tell me you know, otherwise, I'm just going to be living my life. If you, if you want me to do anything, you should tell me. I'm, and I'm thinking, but the Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. So um, it's important that we understand this fact that there are certain things God will never reveal to us and uh, he, uh, until, until we ask him about them. Now let's go to Songs of Solomon. Uh, let's just tidy up some loose ends from yesterday and then we will go right into how to discover purpose. Songs of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, Look not upon me because I am black, because the sun had looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. Okay, that is that is really uh, the, the part that I want us to to pay attention to that last phrase that says, "My own vineyard have I not kept." The truth is, a lot of people on earth right now, including ministers, are busy, uh, you know, doing someone else's work. Now we're we're going to balance this. Okay, we're going to balance this later. I'm not saying we shouldn't serve under ministries. I'm not saying we shouldn't work for other people. There are scriptural basis for that. And like I said, we're going to balance it later. But what I'm saying is a lot of people are running someone else's race. 
okay i am not saying we shouldn't support other people or we shouldn't work with other people but a lot of people are actually running someone else's race you see uh it's like this there's a track and then there are 10 uh there are 10 tracks on it okay you are only going to be scored or receive a medal if you run on your own track if you go off track or you get into someone else's track it doesn't matter if you came number one you are not going to receive any medal or any reward i hope we're understanding um you know a lot of people are running on someone else's track or we are running on a track that is not even a track at all you know let's uh, let's look at a story in second samuel chapter 18. let's look at the story in second samuel chapter 18 about a guy that That really wanted to run it wasn't his race but he said he would run <laughs> second samuel chapter 18 is talking about the death of absalom the, re the rebellion and the death of absalom uh let's see from verse 19 then said okay the, uh, let me just give us a backstory so uh joab had killed absalom and he needed someone to to take the message to king david okay it says, Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, Let me now run and hear the king, and bear the king tidings, how that the Lord had avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king, what thou hast seen and Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran then said Ahimaaz the son of Zadok yet again to Joab but howsoever let me I pray thee also run after Cushai and Joab said wherefore will thou run my son seeing that thou hast no tidings ready like why are you running seeing that there's no message for you I've already sent somebody why do you want to run okay verse 23 but howsoever said said he let me run and he said unto him, run. <laughs> I like Joab, you know. Yeah, you want to run? Okay, run. I didn't give you a message. You say you want to run. All right, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Kushai. So he even overtook the person that was bearing the message. Can you see how this, uh, this relates to a, a lot of people today? The person that God gave assignment is different, you know, but you are, you are, doing, you are doing so much and you have even outrun the person. Okay. And David, verse 24, and David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate and onto the wall, and lifted up his eye, and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near, and the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. Can you see this? As far as the king was concerned, you had no business running if you had no message. But here, there was Ahimaaz running without having a message because he wasn't sent. He wasn't sent. It was sent. It wasn't his assignment, but he wanted to run. Okay. And the watchman said, Me thinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man, and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth 
upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which had delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahim has answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me, thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what was what what it was. <laughs> yeah. I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. Why were you running? Okay, but the truth is, he got to the king and he realized that the message was too heavy and he could not deliver it. Okay, if it is not your message, you have no business bearing it. Okay, verse 30, and the king said unto, unto him, turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood. And behold, Cushai came and Cushai said, tidings, my lord the king. For the Lord had avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to uh, against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. This is somebody with a message. But you know, um, there are many persons today like Ahimas, they are just busy running and running, you see. They just want to run. They don't have a message. They were not sent, but they just want to run. Let's see what the Bible says in uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 21. Jeremiah 23 and verse 21. Jeremiah 23, 21. It says, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them yet they prophesied and there is a lot of that going on today in the body of christ and in the world uh people are very active doing things okay very very active doing things but they are doing everything except what god has actually asked them to do and the bible says in psalm 127 and verse 1 that except the lord builds a house the labor in vain that build it except the lord watches a city the watchman, although they watch, but they watch in vain. Okay, so there, there are people that are doing stuff, but you know, as, as far as God is concerned, it is vain. And this is why it is important, the things that we are talking about and the things that we are trying to learn. Now, uh, if you are taking notes, I want you to write this down. God will assess every man on two things. According to Matthew chapter 25 and from verse 13, it makes us understand how God will assess every man. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. And we're going to analyze this into in, in more details later. Good means, you know, you, you were a good person, you walked in love, you were good to, to other people. Faithful means that you were faithful to your assignment. And we're going to we're going to look into what the word faithfulness actually means uh, much later. So, I wrote this down. Many people do not read manuals for products. Just to this, in the same way, many people do not study the Bible. The Bible is the number one manual for every believer. In other words, the first place, if you really want to know about yourself, we're going into how to discover purpose now, okay? The first place to look at is in the Word of God. If you want to discover yourself, let's take a look at three scriptures. Let's start from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're looking at how to discover your purpose now. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. It says, For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. Okay, I'll explain that later. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. By the way, the word glass there means a mirror. It doesn't mean glass, glass. It means a mirror. And we're going to see that further in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 18. It says, But we all, with open or with unveiled faces, beholding in a glass, in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Okay, so we are beholding as in a mirror. Some translations say as in a mirror, the glory of God. We are being changed into that image from glory to glory. Okay, now let's take a look at one script, one more scripture and then we'll consolidate them. James chapter 1 and verse 23 to 25. It says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Again, a mirror, okay? For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So, the word of God, you know, we've seen three scriptures that make us understand the word of God is like a mirror. And the Bible says when we look into the mirror, we behold his image, and we are... You know changed into that image but the thing is this the scripture we read in the book of james lets us understand you know the word of god is like a mirror and a forgetful hearer looks into the mirror and straightway forgets what he saw the thing is this when you look into a mirror what is the first thing you see yourself a mirror shows you yourself the word of god is likened to a mirror it means if we spend time in the word of god we will begin to discover ourselves. Now, this takes us back to what I said earlier, that there is something written concerning everybody. Everybody. Jesus, reading the book of Isaiah, he saw his own in Isaiah chapter 61. The first place you will discover yourself, if you really want self-discovery, if you really want to understand your purpose and your assignment, the first place to begin to look is the Bible. Because you see, the Bible is the manual, the general manual that God sent for mankind. You see, a lot of us have products that we don't even know they can perform certain functions. Why? Because we did not read the manual. We're all guilty of that, you know. Uh, especially when we're even filling stuff online. You see the something, something agreement. You don't even know if they say, if you click, I agree, we are going to arrest you. We just scroll down and click the box, I agree or I accept. And then we move to the next page okay we're all guilty of that because it's bulky and and these people do it you know those legal agreements they do it deliberately because they know a lot of people are not going to read it but in there there are hidden clauses and then when something goes wrong then they'll tell you oh there was this legal agreement that you agreed to this is this, this we can't be responsible you see but we are so in a hurry to install whatever we need to install we just agree it's the same way we buy products we just take the manual and you know highest we just look at the the summary of the manual you know plug play do this do that do that do that and then bam you know the manual is gone you see but there is a lot more that that product can do if only we will actually sit down to study the manual it's the same way there is a lot more to us if we will actually sit down to study the word of god okay 
there are books and scrolls in heaven containing details of what every everyone must do not just records of what we do what we do will be compared with what we should do this will then determine the reward or the punishment as the case may be you see uh <laughs> The Bible says about Nebuchadnezzar, okay, when he saw, no, not Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, 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 yes, Belshazzar. They were, they were feasting, and the Bible says that his finger came and wrote on the wall, and he called Daniel, and Daniel came and said, My name is Nebuchadnezzar, and the interpretation is, You have been weighed and found wanting. So, in other words, <laughs> what was written concerning you, we have compared it, and uh, there's a problem. We have compared it and there's a problem, so you're in trouble. And that very night, you know, his kingdom was overthrown. And the truth is, a lot of human beings are being weighed and found wanting. Thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. But remember what I said yesterday. How we fulfill our specific purpose today is going to determine, you know, uh, our position in eternity. Um, you know, we are not all going to be equal in heaven. As a matter of fact, I need to make something very clear. Equality is not scriptural. Equality is not scriptural. God did not. Equality has never been scriptural. Equity is scriptural. Okay? The angels are not equal. They have captains. They have chief princes. Okay? Uh, even God, as God created man, like I said yesterday, Adam was designed to be a God king and he was supposed to rule over other men. Other men were supposed to submit to him. Other men were not going to have the same authority as Adam. Otherwise, there would have been chaos. Just the same way, even though we are going to be kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth, Christ is still going to be supreme on the earth. And then David is going to be higher than, you know, a lot of persons on the earth as a king. Okay, so we are not all going to be the same. Uh, we are not going to be equal in heaven. People are not equal in hell. People are not equal on earth. So the concept of equality is again Satan trying to make God's products malfunction. God is a God of order. God is a God of order. And, and one of the requirements of order is hierarchy. Okay? So this concept of equality, equality, uh, every man is equal before God. No. God is no respecter of persons in the sense that he is fair to everybody. Look at the parable of the talents. He gave one five. He gave one two. He gave one one. Okay? These are scriptural principles. Why didn't he give all of them five? But the Bible says he gave to everyone according to their several abilities. God equality is not a scriptural principle it is not god did not create all men equal it is not true and in eternity we are not going to be equal either but god is fair in the sense that he does not put more on you than you can bear he knows the configuration of everybody i mean think about it all the cars are automobiles right but wouldn't it be unfair for you to expect a toyota to do what a mercedes can do okay um, um or wouldn't it be unfair to expect a honda to be able to run as fast as a ferrari you see, although all of them are automobiles, a tractor is designed differently from, 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 from a racing car. And so the demands on each of them are very different. Uh, no, gender equality is not scriptural. Okay? And you see, when people, when people preach gender equality, again, it is them trying to paint God in a bad light. Because the truth is, for you to effectively preach gender equality, you are going to have to, first of all, disregard the Bible. So, so it is a trap. But a lot of believers are just very ignorant. Okay, There is no equality. Even among men, there is no equality. All men are not equal. 
Okay, talk less of gender equality. I am not. I am not a male supremacist. No, I am not. As a matter of fact, God designed the woman to help the man. I believe that if the man was sufficient in himself, God would not have designed the woman. Okay, but God designed. Somebody can only help you do what you cannot do for yourself. Personally, I believe that the the woman or the wife is designed to be in the flesh what the Holy Spirit is to us in the spirit because both of them are called helpers. Okay, so I don't. In fact, I wrote an article about that. I don't believe. As a matter of fact, I don't even believe women are weaker vessels. Uh, the Bible only says we should treat them like weaker vessels. It did not say that they are weaker vessels. So it's like I say, ah, that might be king, hold on like egg. It doesn't mean the child is an egg. I am just trying to let you know that, okay, this is very important and very delicate to me. I am not saying this is an egg. So the Bible says we should treat them like weaker vessels. It did not say that they are weaker vessels. Read that scripture. As a matter of fact, I believe that women are stronger than men, psychologically, emotionally, maybe not physically. Okay, but when it comes to how much heat a woman can take, mentally, emotionally, women are a lot stronger than men. People say, ah, but women cry a lot. Yes, it's, it's actually a display of strength to be able to express yourself. Men bottle things up and then at the end of the day, they implode or they commit suicide or they do something really crazy. If you notice, men commit suicide more than women commit suicide. Why? Because we have not learned how to express ourselves. Uh, if women were not stronger than men, you know, part of the punishment of the woman was God said that they would sub is subject to the man it wouldn't have been a punishment if it was something natural okay god said and your desire will be unto him okay that was a punishment in by by god's standards that was a big punishment this tells us something that the woman originally was uh, she was designed really strong okay she was designed really 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 strong so i don't believe that women are weaker vessels no but you see god has set an order it's just like in a church the pastor is the shepherd over that church and everybody submits to him it doesn't matter if you are more anointed than him it doesn't matter if you are more experienced than him it doesn't matter if you are older than him because god is a god of order and order demands hierarchy Am I saying men are superior to women? No. But I am saying that the Bible says in the household, this is the hierarchy. The wives should submit to the husbands. That is the hierarchy that God placed in the body of Christ. Okay? So let's not try to rewrite the scriptures, you know? If you notice, a lot of the people that are, you know, these gender equality advocates, they they actually bash the Bible. You know, they say the Bible was written by only men and it was designed to keep women in subjugation and things like that. And personally, I don't believe any believer should be associating themselves with such materials because they are going to cast, uh, make you begin to doubt the integrity of God and the integrity of God's word. Okay, so it's important we know this. Equality is not scriptural on any level. Angels are not equal. Even demons are not equal. Even Satan knows better, but he still tries to confuse man. Okay, even Satan in his kingdom, there is hierarchy. Because he knows for any kingdom to succeed, there has to be order. And in his kingdom, there is hierarchy. In God's kingdom, there is hierarchy. In the body of Christ, there is hierarchy. The Bible says, let everyone be subject to higher powers. There is hierarchy in the body of Christ. So let's let's understand this. The concept of equality. Yes, we are equal in the sense that we are all created in God's image and likeness. We are not equal in the sense of the abilities that we have and we are not equal in the sense of the authority that we exhibit. It's important we understand this. It's like you have children. You know, you can love all of them in a unique way. You can love all of them equally. But still, 
um, you treat them differently. Why? Because you may see that this guy is weak in an area that this person is strong. It's, it's like Jacob and Esau, for instance, when you look at it. Um, the Bible says, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. And like I said in previous teachings, hate is used in, in biblical terms a lot of times to describe reference, not to describe dislike. Because we see that God blessed Esau. He wasn't going to bless you so if he hated him in the sense of hate okay but again if you look at their life you see that when joseph was still squatting that uh, jacob was still squatting with his father-in-law Esau already had a kingdom now think about this if god had left jacob and Esau to equal terms jacob would have been a mess because Esau was a very hard-working guy um, you know, he already had a kingdom. He already had, I mean, his entourage were like 400 men that he was walking around. Okay. He was already a very successful guy. He was a hardworking guy. It took the grace of God for anything reasonable to come out of Jacob's life. You see, so sometimes, a lot of times, when you see God, you know, God seems to be, you know, pumping a lot of grace and favor in a particular direction. It actually, it actually shows that that person is weak and you know, the person will not be able to get along without God. You know, God knows how he has configured everybody. And uh, he knows that there are some people that he constantly needs to help. You know, it's like when you go to the hospital, not everybody is on a ventilator. If your lungs can function properly, you don't need a ventilator. The ventilators are reserved for people that, you know, that, that can't breathe on their own. So... It, it would be unfair for you to get to the hospital and say, you are not treating us equally. How come I don't get a ventilator? He gets a ventilator. The reason he gets a ventilator is actually because his lungs will collapse if he doesn't get a ventilator. Okay, so um, if we're taking notes, you can write this down. The fashion industry is built on people's lack of identity. They in turn feed that lack of identity by selling you the identity of someone else. Every human being is unique. The human intelligence cannot be measured by an exam. It cannot be measured by any man. Nobody is a total genius and nobody is a total dummy. It's just like my product, you know, illustrated one time. He said there was one time they were making a pond in his compound and then they put the fishes on the, on the ground and then they were just looking. You know, they were just, and he was like, ah, these animals are so dumb. They can't even do anything. He said, but the moment they were put inside water, that their, their genius emerged. See, uh, how many of us have seen The Gods Must Be Crazy? The Gods Must Be Crazy. It's an old film about one bushman, you know, and his family. They don't know anything. But you see, this guy in his bushness was able to help white people in their technology to accomplish certain things in the jungle. Why? Because nobody is a total genius. Nobody is a total uh, a total dummy. Your teacher in school that said you were a dummy simply because you failed Chem 101. Can the teacher play the keyboard? Can the teacher play the guitar? Can that teacher sing? You know, all of these things are skills that require some level of intelligence. This is why I say, you know, so when they say, ah, this guy is a genius, this guy is a dummy, the person you are calling a dummy, there's an area that he can do certain things that you, in all your geniusness, cannot do. So when we understand this human uniqueness, I'm going to talk about this more during the course of the week. When we understand this human uniqueness, we're going to stop, um, we're going to stop comparing ourselves with other people. And we're going to, you know, because God created all of us differently. And, um, you know, do, you, you, we must resist the temptation to let any man define us because only God can. He was the one that wrote the book about our lives. There is a word for everyone in the word of God. 
there's there's a word for everyone in the word of god don't look at it as ah this is the bible no you need to this you need to begin to say the bible is god speaking to me and the more you begin to read the word of god you will begin to see yourself in the bible because the word of god is like a mirror and the first thing that happens when you look at a mirror is you see yourself okay so the first step to self-discovery or to discovering your purpose is actually to study the word of god the number two so number one is the word of god looking into the word of god number two is your desire and like we uh we looked in the previous series uh we're going to look at that scripture again in philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Remember, I told us that living a life of purpose simply means walking in accordance with the will and the plan of God for your life. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God who worketh, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay, uh, another, some other translation says it is God that puts in us the desire to do, to, to, uh, the desire, you know, to, to do what pleases him. So, um, God can put certain passions and desires in our heart. Okay? And when we follow these passions, we are fulfilling. Now, 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 uh, this is where we need to balance it, okay? Because yesterday, a big man asked about uh, unbelievers, okay? If God can use them for his purpose. And the answer is yes. God can put desires in the hearts of an unbeliever to do certain things to satisfy the purpose of God. Just the same way God can put certain desires in our hearts, okay, to do things that are in line with his purpose. So we did look into that extensively in uh, being led by the Spirit of God. Okay, uh, so uh, if, 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 you want to, if you want to know more about desire, please just get the previous teaching because there are some other things I want us to look at uh, today that we are going to spend a little bit more time on number three how to discover purpose now remember i said uh, in the first teaching that the journey of purpose uh, or rather uh, purpose discovery is a journey okay um you know you don't get all of the full picture at once it really comes in in bits and in pieces okay but as we are diligent in faithful in the little then god begins to unveil more to us and i i gave us uh, an illustration or the story of myself how i started off as uh, you know playing the guitar from playing the guitar i started playing the bass guitar from then i started playing the keyboard from then i started directing music from then i started preaching from then i started you know leading a choir and then you know after that i went to you know dunami school of ministry and and gradually but what, what i'm trying to say is you know okay it's like this at the age of eight let, let me just tell us a, a little bit about myself at the age of eight i was already gathering children uh you know around the neighborhood we're living in lokoja army barracks then gather smaller children children younger than me sit them down on benches and i'll be preaching to them just like i had seen my father preaching in church and i didn't know why i was doing that okay but i'll just be preaching to them and uh you know i, I was i just I, I was just really passionate about church things and all of that stuff and and then also every time i saw there was this particular man i'm sure chogu will know him uh uncle chris well, i've forgotten his son 
he used to play the guitar then like you know i used to love the man it was from him i heard for the first time kisi because i wanted to learn the guitar i'm like okay this thing is a lot more complicated than it looks you know but the thing is at the age of eight i was already gathering children around the neighborhood preaching to them getting somebody to do interpreting for me because i thought that was the standard because the church that we were attending there was always a preacher and an interpreter and then i uh, in fact my mother reminded me some years ago that when we were when we were young uh, someone came to the house and was asking everybody what they would like to become and my brother said he would like to be a doctor my sister said she would like to sell food <laughs> funny right and that i said i wanted to be a teacher now i, I can't even like i could not even recollect it but my mother reminded me that i said i wanted to be a teacher so there were two things i knew as a child that i wanted to do that i wanted to preach to people and i wanted to teach now when i said i wanted to be a teacher in my head it was teaching in a school okay and i'm really passionate about teaching not just the gospel i'm really passionate even to this day about you know teaching people imparting knowledge in any form or fashion okay but the, the thing is this uh even from a very very young age somehow inside me i already had an inkling towards the direction that i would like to go and i believe that everybody okay everybody is born with that ability with a natural inkling towards that direction but this is where it gets complicated a lot of times either because of distractions or because of uh uh what do you call it because of desire to make money or because of parental pre- pressure we you know we digress from it for instance when i left secondary school i always knew i wanted to do music i, I was 16 when i when i finished secondary school i always knew i wanted to do music i wanted to do something related to music and i wanted to do something related to media okay and uh, my mother said you know uh, as I think at the matter of time, only UNN was doing was doing a bachelor's degree in music. My mother said, no, musicians, they don't really have a future. You can focus on music as a talent, but you need to get another degree, this, that, that. She didn't discourage me from doing music. She just felt like studying music as a profession, you know, was, you know, did not have a future in it. And so I applied. Uh, all my friends and all my, all my mates at, in school, they were applying for medicine or pharmacy or... Or, uh, or engineering. I didn't like mathematics, so I, I also filled in medicine and pharmacy for my job. You know, I applied to University of Jos, but somehow God helped me. Uh, I didn't, in fact, my jam score was poor, so there was no way I would get admission. But then I still wanted to do remedials for the University of Jos. I got the forms, and then it was that period as we went on a six-month strike. Then Kogi State University had just started, and uh, people were calling the glorified secondary school, so I didn't want to go there. But then, you know, they brought me, you know, a remedial form and all of that. I filled it. And the plan was, I'll just do remedial there so I don't have to sit at home. And then I'll apply to uni just at the end of the day. Long story short, uh, I chose biochemistry and microbiology in Kogi State University. As a matter of fact, my final remedial exam, I know I did not pass my mathematics. I know I did not pass it. Number one, I am not good with mathematics. Number two, I had a running stomach that day. I don't. I, I did not answer up to 30% of the questions. And I, the 30% that I even answered, I did not answer them well. Okay? But, 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 somehow I got admission. And they gave me microbiology. You know, at some point while I was on that campus, I realized that, okay, I am not here because of microbiology. And uh, what I'm trying to say is this. 
from a very young age, I already had an inkling, okay, towards the direction that I wanted to go in life. And it was God that put it in there. Now, my diligence with the little aspects that God was revealing to me part time now determined how much of the bigger picture I got to see. Personally, I know if I had gone to Unijos or I had studied medicine, I would have missed God. I know that for sure. So you see, a lot of times it is, um, you know, peer pressure, parental pressure. Okay, I, okay. Uh, I, I think I should say this. After I finished microbiology, I went on to do the courses in the areas that I was interested in. My mother told me, she said, you know what, finish this degree and then whatever I want to do, I'm going to support you. Thank God for the kind of mother that I have. Okay. But uh, for, for a lot of persons, it's not like that. Parents put pressure and say, no, you can't do this. There's no future in this. You can't do this. There's no future in this. And then you go in the direction where you think there is a future. And then this is how a lot of persons miss God. So please, I'm saying this to those of us that are parents and those of us that will yet be parents. We need to be careful on how we direct our kids because a lot of people have missed God because of parental pressure and peer pressure. Okay, um, I hope I am communicating, but we will look more into that later. So, um, basically, you know, diligence in the little, like, uh, you know, in the little that, that God has put in your hands will now determine uh, how much more he will reveal to you. And, you know, it's interesting to note that God never called any lazy man in the Bible. God never called any lazy man. Look at all the people that God used. They were busy doing something. So at that stage in their lives, they were doing to the fullest what God... You know, there's a, there's a scripture that says that whatsoever you, your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I think it's Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Uh, let's, let's take a look at that. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. It says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Okay, so so this is a this is a general principle. Okay, whatever it is that you are doing at the moment, do it very diligently. Let's take a look at this. Peter was a fisherman. James, John, uh, Andrew, they were all fishermen and they were diligent fishermen. And Jesus called them and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. We don't know details about some of the things other disciples were doing but we do know something that jesus did not call lazy people when you look at david david was diligently tending the sheep risking his life for the sheep when you look at moses moses was a prince of egypt and then he became a shepherd for jethro and for 40 years he was diligently keeping the sheep of jethro when you look at joshua joshua was moses servant he was diligent he was diligent. Every time Moses went on Mount Sinai, Joshua was there with him. When you look at Paul the Apostle, Paul the Apostle was a Pharisee and he was diligent at being a Pharisee. He was diligent at persecuting the Jews. So you see, the truth is, uh, even Satan does not, even Satan does not use lazy people. That's the truth. Satan does not use lazy people. Look at all the people that say that they are they sold their souls to the devil. These people still work hard at what they do. Okay, so the truth is, so you can you can be useless to God and the devil at the same time. It is possible to be useless to God and the devil. The devil might like you being lazy in the sense that it prevents you from from doing the work of God. But that's as far as it goes. He is not going to use you. 
because you are, you are useless to him. So, uh, it, it is important, okay, that whatsoever it is that you are doing at the moment, do it diligently. Because, you see, the momentum with which you leave one phase is the momentum with which you enter the next phase. And I've seen a lot of persons make this mistake. Uh, maybe they are currently doing something, working somewhere, and then God tells them, you know, your time here is up. I am taking you to social and so place. And then the last few months, they they become really sluggish. Now, there's one of two things that can happen when you become sluggish in your in your previous phase. Either the next phase will never open up because you need the momentum from that phase to enter the next phase, or uh, you are going to enter the next phase and it's going to be very underwhelming because again, the momentum with which you leave point A is what you will use to enter point B. Okay, so diligence is very important, even though you may still be confused about what God is calling you to do and you are not very sure, wherever you are, be very, very, very diligent and God is going to locate you. That is the truth about it. God is going to locate you. If you are being diligent and you are doing it from a pure and sincere heart and you keep an open heart and you know there's there's, there's a genuine heart cry saying, okay, Lord, Although I don't know what you are calling me to do right now, but this is what my my hand has found to do at this moment. I'm going to do it with all my might until I get clarity on what you want me to do. It won't be long. God is going to locate you and he's going to give you clarity because God is actually seeking, you know, he's actually looking for diligent people. Okay, number four. One of the ways that God, you know, one of the pointers that God uses uh, to... to... Uh, help us identify our purpose is pain pain yes you heard me right pain uh the truth is a lot of times your pain okay your pain is an indication of a problem that you have been created to solve okay your pain is usually an indication you know of a problem that you have been created to solve let's take a look at two passages of scripture hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So Jesus, uh, the, the word perfect there is from the Greek word teleo. It means, uh, it means to make a full end, to complete, okay, to complete, to bring to perfection, okay. So, uh, the, 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 even Jesus Christ needed suffering for his, uh, for his work to be complete. What I'm trying to say is this, God perfects people through suffering, through pain. Let's take a look at another scripture in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, Though he were a son, talking about Jesus, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Though Jesus were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. The truth is, a lot of us are wasting our pain because uh, we are just going about thinking, oh, let this pain end, let this pain end, let this pain end. And we are wasting the lessons in the pain. Uh, my Murdoch said, pain is good. Pain is an indication that there is something wrong, okay? A lot of times, pain in our lives is an indication that there is something wrong. And uh, 
pain also gives birth to empathy okay it gives birth to empathy when you look at a lot of the healing ministers that god uses a lot in in, in the healing uh a lot of them i'm not saying all of them i'm not saying all of them but a lot of them either suffered sickness at some point in their lives or uh they, they had someone around them that that suffered you know sickness uh or roberts was dying of tuberculosis lester Sumra was dying of tuberculosis bishop redepo was you know was dying of tuberculosis uh i don't know for benny Hinn and Catherine Coleman. that's why i said not all of them but you know a lot of times pain you know the, the pain that we that we encounter in our lives are usually a, in, uh, an indication of the problem that we have been created to solve uh look at david for instance david was a giant killer right he killed goliath at the age of 17 or thereabouts and if you read second uh, samuel chapter is it 21 or 22 it talks about the mighty men of david and these guys ended up also killing giants you see so david was confronted with a giant in his youth and at the end of the day what he did in his old age was he produced more giant killers so a lot of times the challenges that we are confronted with in our lives uh, are, are usually an indication of uh, of an area that god has anointed us and he wants to use us to prefer solutions i hope i hope we're understanding me this morning so when when you begin to see a particular uh i mean look at kenneth copeland for instance kenneth copeland was so broke at some point in his life he stitched his trousers so much that the two two pockets at the back uh, they, 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 they joined together, they became one. That's how many times he stitched his trouser. There's this story of Kenneth Copeland going to, uh, you know, uh, Kenneth Higgins' ministry, and he wanted tapes, he just wanted tapes. And he went and met Kenneth Higgins' son-in-law at that time, Buddy Harrison, and he said, uh, you know, that uh, I, I want tapes, but I don't have money, you know, just take this car, value it, and give me as much tapes as you can give me. And when they, <laughs> when they assessed the car, they said, you know what, we're going to give you tapes, but you can go with the car. You know, and it was so bad that anytime Kenneth Hagin came there, they asked him to pack at the back. They said, you know, we, we believe in prosperity in this place. This guy is bad publicity for what we believe. That's how poor Kenneth Copeland was. But you see, God has used Kenneth Copeland to bring so much light in the area of financial prosperity to the body of Christ. So um, it's it's very important when you, when you begin to see a pattern of pain, you know, in your life repeatedly. It's usually an indication of an area that God has anointed you or that God has called you to fix something. The fifth thing that God uses to help us, you know, discover purpose, you know, this, this, like I said, we're going to balance some things, and this is me trying to balance some things now, is association. Uh, we know about Lot and how God never really called Lot, but, uh, you know, Lot followed Abraham, and that was all Lot had to do. He followed Abraham, and whatever happened to Abraham happened to him. And you know, some of us will say, "Yeah, Lot did not end very well." But let me tell you something: God is a very, uh, God is a very merciful God. You know, Lot had two sons from incest. He had two sons from incest. His daughters made him drunk, and they slept with him. The first one became the father of the children of Ammon. The second son became the father of the children of Moab which where, where Ruth came from, okay? So we can see that Jesus Christ, Ruth was a, you know, was an ancestor of Jesus Christ. 
we know that Jesus Christ came from that lineage. So Jesus Christ had Moabite blood or the blood of Lot somehow in him. Okay, but that's not where it gets interesting. In the book of Revelation, where we see that the children of Israel, uh, where, where they are going to be preserved in the wilderness from the wrath of the Antichrist. The Bible makes us understand in the book of Daniel that those places are the, the land of Moab, the land of Edom, and the land of Ammon. So you can see how God will still use, you know, what came out of Lot to preserve what came out of Abraham. Okay, um, but all Lot had to do, God did not call Lot. All Lot had to do was follow a man that was called. What am I trying to say? Um, if, if you are finding it hard to locate what God has called you to do, you know, let the Spirit of God lead you. Follow a man that knows where he is going. Follow a man that knows where he is going. And eventually, you will also know where you are going. This is a principle that works all the time. When you look at Joshua, uh, the only resume that Joshua had was that he was a servant or he was a minister to, to Moses. But when Moses was going to you know, pass the baton, God told him, anoint Joshua, your minister. Bishop Abiyoye said that he never heard God call him into ministry. They just followed the man. Okay? The disciples of Jesus Christ, Jesus just told them, follow me. So the truth is this. If you have issues with identifying your purpose and your assignment, okay? Let the Spirit of God lead you. Don't just do it blindly. Don't, don't, don't do it with carnal knowledge, okay? Let the Spirit of God lead you. Follow a man that knows where he is going to. And be diligent. Serve that person. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Okay. Now, we're not going to take a lot of time on that. We're going straight to number six, faithfulness. Now, somebody might say, what's the difference between diligence and faithfulness? You know, a lot of times we mistake diligence for faithfulness. Diligence means, you know, to be hardworking and to, you know, to do things with all your heart and put, you know, be devoted to it. But faithfulness is a little bit different. Um, I wrote a few things down. Okay. Faithfulness means staying true to your task. It means don't embellish it, don't add to it, don't diminish it. There is a difference between faithfulness and diligence. Okay, uh, the word faithful is from the Greek word pistos, which means to be trustworthy, to be true, to be sure, to be reliable, to be loyal, to be steadfast, to be true to the facts. Or original so when they say the film was faithful to the book it means that the film was uh, the film stuck to the facts of the original now this takes us back to what I said yesterday that there is a book written concerning everyone and you see Jesus is going to tell you know well done good and faithful servant he's not going to say well done good and diligent servant well done good and faithful servant faithfulness means sticking to the task so it's like this. I tell you, uh, buy me paracetamol, okay? And then you go to the pharmacy, and then the pharmacy tells you, ah, why do you need paracetamol? There's a new product. It's better than paracetamol. It's this. It's that. It's that. And you, out of the, you know, out of the 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 the, the desire in your heart to do the best, you buy this new product and you bring to me, okay? Uh, although you have done a good thing, you are not faithful because you have not been true to the original. 
please, it's important that we understand this. It's very important that we understand this. A lot of times, now this is this is where it gets tricky, but and you know, I have to answer this question a lot of times from, from music ministers. You are in a church, you are playing, you have all of these ideas of what music should be, and the pastor says, This is what I want. If you are going to be a faithful servant, you will do exactly what the pastor says he wants. It's like my friend uh, Emmanuel Echo is a music director for Summit Bible Church. And I, I know he's a very good music director. He's a very, very, very good music director. But sometimes, you see, when I listen to the acquired ministrations, I feel like, you know, why are you guys still doing this kind of songs? Why are you still doing this kind of music? I know you guys are more talented than that. Why are you not pushing harder? And he told me one time, he said, this is what Pastor Andy wants. And, you know, I kept quiet because you are there to, to serve the man. And this is what the man wants. Faithfulness dictates that you give the man exactly what he wants. Even if what he wants by your standard is not good enough. If that is what he wants, that is what you give him. You see, it's very difficult for, for talented people to be faithful. Because you know that, you know, you know that, uh, you know, there, uh, there is something better obtainable. And this person with the limitation of their understanding are saying, this is what I want. If you are not able to convince the person that this is better. And if the person insists, this is what I want. You have two options. Stay there and give the person what he wants or leave to a place where you're, you know, where you'll be given autonomy and where your creativity is going to be appreciated. Okay, it's very important. There are a lot of people out there that are being very diligent, but they are not being faithful. They are not being faithful. And faithfulness is a big deal to God. So, so when the Bible says that uh, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, it's not talking about a diligent man. There are scriptures for the diligent. It says the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. See as thou a man diligent in his business, he shall not stand before mere men, he shall stand before kings. There are scriptures for diligent people. But there are also scriptures for faithful people. And Jesus is not going to say, well done, good and diligent servant. He's going to say, well done, good and and faithful servant the bible speaking in the book of revelation says when jesus returns he is going to return with the chosen and with the called and with the faithful okay it, it's like three different categories that the chosen you know the bible says that uh, the, the called rather the called the chosen and the faithful the bible says that many are called few are chosen okay and then fewer are even faithful so there is the call, there is the choosing, and then there is the faithful. Very few, very few. Let's look at Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14. Revelation 17, 14. It says, This shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful you see those categories many are called few are choosing even fewer are faithful because there are so many people and and you know like I, like i said sincerely they are trying to do the right thing they are trying to do the right thing but you see the bible says if you are not faithful in another man's business who will give you your own you know the bible says that it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful that a man be found faithful faithfulness is a big deal to god it's a big deal to god and so 
while you are working with somebody, make sure that you are not just diligent, but you are also faithful and you are sticking to the task that was given to you. Now, if you were asked to improvise, if you were asked to be creative, it's a different matter, okay? It's a very, very different matter if you are given freedom and liberty to be creative. But if a person tells you, this is what I want, don't... Uh, don't go and think for the person and say, you, you, you know, in doing so, you are trying to tell the person indirectly, you, you don't really know what is good for you and uh, you don't really know what you want. I'm going to help you make these decisions. You see, so we need to be very, very careful uh, in dealing with these things. Let's, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 from verse 10 to 12. It says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much can you see the the antonym that jesus is using for faithful faithful and unjust okay so faithful is just what is just what is justice when they say he did justice to it what does it mean it means he stayed true to it okay uh it says if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust the true riches and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's who shall give you that which is yours so it is important um you know faithfulness is a requirement like the bible like the scripture we just read if you are faithful in that which is another man's god will give you your now we have been able to differentiate between faithfulness and diligence. You know, a lot of people have been diligent and they have given their best and their all, but they have not really been faithful. And that is why you can see sometimes some people can be diligent and yet be frustrated. Why? Because there are certain blessings that come with faithfulness that do not come with being diligent. Okay, uh, so let's go on to, we're going to try and finish this today, to number seven. Number seven is ask. It's as simple as that, you know. If you are if you are having a hard time understanding what God has called you to do, just ask God. Pray about it. And say, Lord, you know, the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, that ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. For everyone that asks, receives. The Bible speaking in the book of James, it says you have not because you ask not. Okay, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Proverbs 25 and verse 2 says, The glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to, to, to search it out. Okay, there are certain things God will never tell you if you do not ask. So sometimes for some of us, it's as simple as just asking. Okay, God, what am I here for? Why am I here? What, you know, what, what is my assignment? You know, what, what, is, what is my assignment? And, uh, you know, just ask God and keep an open heart and he's going he's gonna to speak to you. Number eight. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Trust the leading of the of the holy spirit now you see like i said fulfilling purpose is very simple it's by living according to the will of god for your life at every point in time so for some people like i said it's not like you're going to be born and then you're going to get the full picture of everything that you're always supposed to know it's going to be precept upon precept line upon line here a little there a little okay um so living a purposeful life doesn't mean if god has called you to be one thing 
you are going to become that thing immediately. Like I said, my journey began as a as a guitarist and then to a keyboardist and then to a music director and then you know and, and, and little by little as a matter of fact I started as a preacher. I could preach. I can't preach anymore. You know um I know when when the teaching anointing really came on me. I know when teaching anointing really came on me, but really, uh, 2004, 2003, 2004, 2005, I was a preacher, man. I was, I was, I was a preacher, you know. But now I, I can't, I can't be preaching anymore. So you see, just uh, it, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a journey. But at every point in time, you have to just trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit, and finally. Pray in the Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. You know, I, I know some of the some of the motivational books and literature out there, you know, they tell us that, you know, uh, follow, follow your, your natural inclination all the time and all of that. But, you know, it's not always true because our natural inclination can be corrupted by Satan. I was reading in the news some months ago and uh, Steven Spielberg, I don't know how many of us know Steven Spielberg, who is like one of the greatest movie directors and producers of all time. His daughter came out and said she wanted to be a porn star and she felt that was her purpose. Now you and I both know that is wrong. God cannot create anybody and put the person on earth to be a porn star. But you see, she followed her natural inclination and that is where it is dangerous. We should follow our spiritual inclination, not our natural inclination. And this is what people that are into all sorts of sexual perversion, the homosexuals and all of that stuff, you know, they are following their natural inclination. But you see, the nature of man, like the nature of every other thing else, you know, has been corrupted by the fall. So you cannot trust your natural inclination. Okay, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 26. Sorry, chapter 8 and verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now look at verse 27. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And then now look at verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them which are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified them he also glorified but you see all of these things that we are talking about right now starts from verse 26 likewise also the spirit helps our weaknesses for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us according to uh, uh, with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of god now please i want us to understand something this is not common. Uh, this is not common doctrine, but in my experience in the body of Christ, I'd like to say this: that I believe that there is a difference between speaking in tongues and you know and praying in the spirit. Please understand what I'm trying to say. The Bible uses them interchangeably. The Bible uses them interchangeably. But right now, man has uh, you know you know you know even 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 
demons possessed people, they, they speak in tongues, right? You know that native doctors, they chant, they speak in tongues. I watched a video of, a, of, a, of, a, of an imam, you know, laying hands on people and speaking in tongues. So praying in the spirit involves speaking in tongues, but not every speaking in tongues is praying in the spirit. So when we say pray in the spirit, we are not just talking about speaking in tongues because you can be speaking in tongues and be in the flesh. Okay, you can be speaking in tongues in the flesh. I mean, these days we exclaim in tongues, you know, something happens and we go, hey, la kata, you know, things like that. You know, does that mean you are praying in the spirit? No. Did you just speak in tongues? Yes. Okay, so a lot of people are actually speaking in tongues, but few people are actually praying in the spirit. You see, but uh, let us pray in the spirit. And let's look at one more scripture in uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. From verse 15, it says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does redeem mean? Redeem means to buy back. Okay? It means to buy up moments which others, you know, which you or others may have thrown away. And how do we do that? Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your hearts to the lord okay so being filled with the spirit and understanding what the will of god is they work together you see so even though you may not get the full picture even though you may not get the full picture make a quality decision to live a spirit-led life and you will not miss it because you see at every step of the way you are going to be walking based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, he's going to unveil it one after the other, one after the other. As you are faithful in this, he's going to unveil another one. As you are faithful in this, he's going to unveil another one. The truth is some persons may have understood a fraction of the will of God for their lives and their pur- uh, you know the purpose of God for their lives, but they were not faithful in it. And so God did not open them up to a new chapter. Okay, Kenneth Hagin said that uh, God told him that a lot of people live and die and they are active in ministry for years, but they never even step into the first phase of the assignment that God has given them to do. Because you see, our assignments are in phases. The assignment of Jesus Christ was in phases. He didn't just come and die, you know, he, come, he came, he lived. We don't know what he was doing for the first 30 years of his life, but we knew he was doing something. You know, he may not have been anointed of the Holy Ghost, but we knew he was doing something and he was being relevant to certain people in certain phases. Maybe he was just helping his father in the carpentry shop, but he was fulfilling a purpose in that phase. And then when the Holy Ghost came upon him, he began to teach and to preach and to do miracles. That was another phase. Then he had to die. That was another phase. Then he had to go to hell. That was another phase. Then he had to resurrect. That was another phase. And then he still stayed on earth for about, is it 40 or 50 days, teaching his disciples, you know, something else that he had not taught them before. That was another phase. And then now the Bible says he's ascended and he's making intercessions for us. That is another phase. Right now there's a priestly ministry that Jesus is carrying out for us on a daily basis. That's another phase of his ministry. While he was on earth, he couldn't do that phase. Now Jesus is going to return to the earth and he's going to rule on this earth first for a thousand years. That is another phase. So you see, even the purpose of Jesus is being unveiled face to face. As he is faithful in one phase, another one is unveiled. As he's faithful in that phase, another one is unveiled. 
Okay, Paul the apostle did not start as Paul the apostle. The Bible makes us understand in Acts chapter, uh, uh, is it Acts chapter 12 now? That in Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers. Uh, Acts chapter 13. You know, it says that now, from verse 1, now they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manain, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Okay, so, so at some point, Paul was not Paul the apostle. He was Saul the teacher, or at most, Saul the prophet. Okay, but as he became, I, I know certain people, for instance, Kenneth Copeland, when he started, he started with Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association. Right now, Kenneth Copeland is a prophet and a teacher. I told us about Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin started as a pastor, and then he worked as an evangelist for two years, and then God told him, you know, I never called you to pastor. I never called you to be an evangelist. I called you to teach. And then after that, God told him, I am anointing you to be a prophet and a teacher. God told him specifically, don't say you are a teacher and a prophet because the prophetic comes first for you. As a matter of fact, there was a point that God had to reprimand Kenneth Hagin and said you are not using the prophetic ministry enough. You are teaching too much. You are not prophesying to people enough. You see, but it unveils and it unfolds. So you see, all of these things that we have mentioned, you have to combine them. You have to be diligent. You have to be faithful. You have to ask God. You have to associate with the right people. You have to pay attention to your pains. You have to pay attention to your desires. You have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit at every point in time. Because you see, you are not going to get all of the picture at once. It's going to happen precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. The problem is some persons just sit down and, you know, you know, it's even possible that God has told you from when you were a kid that, you know, I'm calling you to be an apostle. And then some persons just sit down and then they are waiting to just enter into the ministry and the office of the apostle. But no, you are still going to have to go through that process. Because when you are faithful in the little, then God can commit more into your hands. So you can see why some people never get off because it's like, uh, let me let me, let me me say this. It's like God tells you, 20 years from now, you're going to be the president of Nigeria. And between now and the next 20 years, you don't do anything politically. You don't set up any structures. You don't associate with the right people. You don't do anything. Trust me, in 20 years' time, except by the mercy of God, that prophecy is going to be like there was no prophecy on your life at all. You see what happened in the life of David? After he was anointed king, he came into the palace as a musician. He was serving as a musician. Then he killed Goliath. Then he married the king's daughter, putting him in the royal family, okay? Then he gathered distressed men and he was like their commander. You know, at every point in time, there was something that was happening in the life of David that was preparing him ultimately for where God had anointed him for. It will take another 17 years before any crown would come on uh, another 13 years before any crown would come on his head. It would take another 20 years because David ruled for seven and a half years in Hebron over the city of Judah while Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, was ruling over Israel. So David actually ruled over Israel for 33 years, not for 40 years. But all that time, God was preparing him. God was teaching him leadership God was teaching him all sorts of things 
from when the anointing came on his life at the age of 17 to when he eventually was anointed king over Israel at the age of at the age of 37 that was 20 years okay so um it's 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 a process it's a process and we need to be very careful and we need to walk circumspectly we need to be wise so at every point in time everywhere we find ourselves per time we should make sure you know the bible says that you know um we should do all things as unto the lord okay this is very important and you know even though at this moment you may be plowing someone else's field okay if you are doing it with the right heart and you are asking the right questions god is going to give you your own god is going to give you your own so please uh it, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what you're doing right now. Um, but, you know, study the Word of God. Like I said, it's, it's going to be the first place you begin to discover yourself. Um, follow your God-given desires. Like I said, not, not the, the natural desires of the flesh. Not the, not the fleshly, you know. There's this deep inkling inside you. You know, the Bible makes us understand that God, God puts those desires in there. And, uh, you know, pay attention to your pain. Pay attention to your pain when there's a particular pattern a consistent pattern of pain in your life pay attention to it because uh, it's usually an indication that you know satan is trying to afflict you with with the same problem that god has created you to solve and uh you know pay attention to your association okay your 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 spirit inspired association don't just associate with people because you you want to be a part of their influence or they have a big name or things like that no don't do that that is that is carnal you see let the spirit of god guide you let the spirit of god direct you because sometimes you find yourself uh, by associating with other people that have found themselves you know when you look at the mighty men of david the bible makes us understand that these people were distressed you know they were distressed they were indebted in in first samuel chapter 22 they were they were they were indebted people in second samuel chapter 22 they were the mighty men of david and all they had to do was associate with a man that knew where he was going Okay, and we talked about faithfulness, how faithfulness is not diligence and how it is different from diligence. Faithfulness means sticking to the task. It means being true. It means being exact to the assignment that you have been given. And we said you should ask. And uh, there are a lot of people doing so many other things apart from asking. Uh, but, you know, there are some things, like I said, we will never learn from God if we do not ask. And then I said, trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then I said, pray in the Spirit. Okay, if you put all of these things together, um, I, I can tell you with every boldness that it is impossible for you to, to live confused and uh, and not have a clear direction of where God wants you to go. Okay? But remember this, two things. God is going to unveil it in bits and in pieces. And then, you know, uh, when we are faithful with the one that God has unveiled, then he is going to unveil next phase it's very 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 important that we know that so please let's try and put all of these things to practice please i say this again those of us that are parents please begin to pay attention to your children and uh you know right now the, the children especially when they are when they are very young they are still very innocent and so their desires are usually pure okay when a child is having an inclination towards a particular area um, there are many people today living their father's dreams and they are living their grandfather's dreams 
and um, it, it's a really 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 terrible thing so please let's pay attention to our children see what direction what you know what godly direction they are going and pay attention to it because the truth is like i said uh when i was eight nine i was preaching and i said i wanted to be a teacher by the time i was an adolescent i had forgotten that i even you know i wasn't interested in preaching i had even forgotten that i said i wanted to be a teacher as a matter of fact i hated my teachers in secondary school okay uh, and there were so many distractions i wanted to be a musician i wanted to be one of the greatest keyboardists in the world but see god has taken me back full circle okay god has taken me back full circle and by the way i need to mention something before we close there are times now it doesn't just happen by accident okay when you look at paul for instance where you know jesus arrested him personally on the road to damascus but like i said even all the disciples that jesus called into purpose none of them were lazy they were diligently doing something so even when you see somebody that they say the lord appeared to me and told me this that 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 in clear terms check their lives they were very diligent doing something okay they were very 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 diligent doing something and a lot of times people are diligently doing something but they have a genuine heart cry and they're like okay i'm feeling a gap lord what is it help me help me help me and then you know you know god just manifests his mercy and his power and then he can reveal himself to such persons in a spectacular way but god you know he's 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 always after people that are diligent 